Welcome to another episode of Red Hill Stories, discussions about faith, life, and Jesus. This is your host, Lyle Walker. On our episode today, I've got the wonderful, hilarious, funny... Jonathan Albanese. That's it. That's right. Man. <laughs> so before we get into the episode, I always have to do this part of podcasts that are kind of annoying, but we have to do it, right? So I don't know how you found us. Could be a reference. Maybe you got a link or something. But if you could, um, go back to like iTunes or Spotify and rate us, give us a like, whatever it is, because it does help people finding us. That's really helpful. Um, share it. Share our stories. That's really great, too. Um, but if you've, you have no idea how you got here, um, you can always go back to our website, uh, redhills.com, redhillschurch.com slash stories, and you can catch up on all of our episodes. We have two seasons, um, and you can listen to all the awesome ways that Jesus has changed people's lives. And so we, we're all about that. So um, again, welcome, Jonathan. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> this is going to be good. This is going to be fun, right? It uh, is going to be fun, yes. The first five minutes are always somewhat of a disaster, so it's okay. Um, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Uh, so, you know, again, if, if this is your like first time maybe coming across Red Hill Stories, what we do here is we uh, like to talk about Jesus. Uh, but more so than just like talk about who he is. We want to talk about what he's done in our lives because there's this this awkward moment that we see at church. And Jonathan, you run our connections team right now, so you're probably aware of this, that awkward small talk, how you doing? Definitely. Trying to get past that like that first hurdle, that first like, you know, awkward moment. Um, and so our, our goal with this is to try to help people. One, we want people to hear the amazing stories of what Jesus has done in people's lives. But also, it's like, man, I, I think I know Jonathan, after listening to this episode, I think I know Jonathan just a little bit better. And now I'm able to, like, maybe automatically get past that hurdle because he's, he, you know, shared things in life that I've gone through or, or, or vice versa. Um, and then it's also like, you know, it just breaks down that barrier. It just breaks down that, hopefully breaks down that barrier that we have at church on Sunday mornings because we have one service every week. <laughs> it's true. Right. It's just one service. And so if you show up early or show up late and you leave early, the chances of you getting to have a real conversation with anybody is really tough. Yeah, and it's, so it's not enough. You got to go to a community group. You got to go to one of our, our Bible study groups or something like that. Uh, you have to make it a real concerted effort to get to know people, you know? And as we grow, it's even get, it even gets harder. So that's what we do here. That's what we do here. So okay, this is another way that we cut down on that like weirdness yes is there will like, be no weirdness well there's gonna be a lot of weirdness it's, <laughs> it's you and me um is i like to find out like something from somebody something from somebody something uh in, in someone's life that is like kind of a funny antidote uh like mine was i'm afraid of roaches or something like that so jonathan what's something in your life that's funny or you know it doesn't have to be funny it could be just interesting that maybe nobody really knows about i love bologna bologna yeah, like, about it. like, like, like on a sandwich, bologna, mm. uh, American cheese in the plastic wrapper yes. on white bread. Yes, with mustard. I do mayonnaise. Just mayonnaise. Just mayonnaise. No mustard. No mustard. Man, that does sound delicious. And I love it, man, because it like sticks to the roof of your mouth, you know. Mm -hmm. And you gotta, <laughs> you gotta kind of scrape it off, and you have to peel that little red thing off. You do. The, you know, no other meat has that. That's a legit one. That's huh? right. That's when you know you're at the. Upper echelon That's of it, meats. When you my meat is my meat is wrapped in plastic. <laughs> That's right on the edges, and I can't eat it. That's right. It's not edible. <laughs> it's not edible. I, it is not edible. 
Uh, now, do you do like like fried bologna? I do fried bologna. Yeah, okay. yeah. And a lot of people are like, "That's disgusting, man." And yeah. I'm, I'm like, "I get it. I mean, bologna's probably a gross meat, but that's pretty southern of you, though." I guess that's true. Bologna sandwiches, like like, yeah, that's up there with like that was my staple, man. Like, do you like buttermilk too? You drink buttermilk Mm-mm, and bologna I sandwiches. Okay. I can't do that. So you're not that southern. That's no, okay. I'm that kid. who's like, I, it's got to be ice cold milk too. Oh, absolutely. Like if it's been sitting out for a little while, I got to put it back in the fridge. No, I don't. I don't want to drink soured anything. Mm-mm. It's terrifying. Yeah, yeah that just that's gonna make me sick, and um, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. No. Now, maybe this is my own embarrassment. Now, have you ever done the thing where you you take bologna and you throw it on somebody's on um, somebody's car? Yeah, and it leaves that nice spot, and it pops in the heat in the heat of the summer. Yeah, I have not done that, <laughs> but I've seen it done. You've seen it done. You've just heard you've heard stories. That's right. That's right. Uh, unfortunately, I have, but that's okay though. I think. I yeah, tales of a misspent youth. That's right. I was an idiot. I I say my from my ten to like thirty eight. No, I'm I'm kidding. Like ten to like. I don't know, 18, 25, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> a pretty big idiot. That's that's every man's story. <laughs> or it should be, at least if they're being honest. That's right. But I'm glad that I know that you like bologna because I'm one of the few, like, we don't have it at my house. Like, I yeah. would totally eat that. Amy is not a bologna girl. Anytime you want to, like, when we do lunches together, we could just, like, you can come to my office and we'll just make, eat Dude. bologna sandwiches together. I'd be happy with that. Okay, now this is going to, this is a question. This is an important question. What types of chips do you eat with a bologna sandwich? See, I'm down for whatever, really. Really? So, like, to me, like, a classic Lay's basic potato yeah, chip. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you do you put the Lay's on the sandwich and you crunch it down? I have done that before. There's some, I don't know why that's so good, but it's just... It's a texture thing. It's a gotta be. Yeah. And the saltiness and the yeah. crispy. We just had Chipotle, and I'm now hungry again. I am, too. I'm going to get a bologna sandwich <laughs> after this. Forget it, call Amy. Uh, <laughs> I'm going by Publix. <laughs> I need a bologna sandwich with Lay's potato chips. She would say no. <laughs> <laughs> I have to buy that stuff on my own. That's right. Because it doesn't really smell good. Um, but gosh darn, it doesn't taste delicious. It does. Everybody everybody right now is judging us, but that's okay. That's it. So, okay. That's enough about our weird obsession with um, bologna, but whatever. It's cool. I, it is cool. I mean, I'm down with it. I'm, I'm confident in who I am. Me too. <laughs> It's been a long time. <laughs> All right, so let's get on to it. Um, Jonathan Albanese, what is your story? So, I'm a Tallahassee boy, born and raised. Uh, my mother's from here. Her mother's from here. So, yeah, my grandmother graduated Leon in like 1951, but she calls it Leon. Leon? Leon High School. Oh, she's got something John. Okay. Not Leon, yep. She's a Southern lady, born on Park Avenue. My grandfather used to hunt on Tharp Street when he was a boy because it was just woods down by Godby. Nice. Yeah, it wasn't a thing. So I'm a Tallahassee boy, man. Definitely, definitely. But um, I grew up uh, in church, actually. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the story goes that my parents, the year I was born, decided we should probably get back in church (laughs) kind of deal. So you were the catalyst. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Children change everything. That's right. They do. Gosh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. But yeah, so uh, my parents, yeah, decided to start going to church, and we attended a uh, a Southern Baptist church here in town for, for me, it was for twenty five years. Ooh. Yeah, same church, twenty five years. What is that like, dude? I got away with nothing. <laughs> my mother had spies everywhere. Yeah, 
I got away with nothing. Because, I mean, not only is Tallahassee a small town, yeah, but you just shrunk that sucker down to like a 25-year mm-hmm. spent in one place. I never even lived in one place for 25 yeah, years. Yeah, 25 years. And it was like, you know, Sunday morning would be Sunday school and church. So you went to mm. Sunday school. It wasn't like, you know, kids had separate Sunday school. Mm. Like, everyone had Sunday school, adults and everybody. And then you would get together for church and... So kids were in church service. Yes. Oh wow. Kids okay. were in church service, and my mother was brutal, man. Like sit still. Yes. If you made noise too, but she would look over at you very sweetly and like smile, and then she would take her fingernail and she like the soft part of your hand. She just kind of dig it in there Between and then the thumb and the pointer. Yeah. Ooh. And then she would she look at you like I dare you to say something like in the middle of this. Mm. Yeah. So mine's the. Mine's the pinching of the of, of the trap. Yeah. The, like right around the neck. I just absolutely. It. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I squeeze a little too hard. You just gotta get, yeah, you know, just trying to get my attention. Yep, yep, that's right. Straighten up. But yeah, so I grew up in that church uh, for 25 years, man, and um, went through, you know, the youth group there, and went through um, different parts of it as far as being involved in pretty much every aspect of yeah, the church so at from, that point. So birth to 25 years. Yeah, old. yeah. So when did you? Um, when was like, did you get saved at that? I mean, I was saved. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did. I, can, I just jumped right over that. <laughs> it's kind of an important part I'm of here this. For. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is what this podcast is about. That's right. Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, at seven years old, man. Yeah, I got saved, and uh, it was one of those like real young. Um, I just remember talking with my mom about it, and and you know she took some time with me on that, but. Uh, I think the real reason I held, I probably was ready to get saved and understood earlier than that, but I was terrified of the baptism process there hmm. because they had like the aquarium thing in the... Your weeks swimmer? Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> this man's going to put me under. I'm not going to come back up. Right. <laughs> He's going to kill me. Um, but yeah, they had like the big old aquarium thing like above the choir, you know, way up there in the right. wall and you had to go up these huge stairs and... Anyway, yeah, and it was freezing cold, too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why they didn't heat it, but they didn't. Pretty big church? So you were standing in front of a bunch of people? Yeah, it was a big church, man, big church. And, um, and yeah, a lot of people there, you know, and he takes you under and brings you back up. That's and... right. Now, did you say that, like, at seven, you had a firm grasp of, like, what salvation? Because seven's pretty young. It is, You know, yeah. so, like, nothing against it. I'm not, that's not my point in that question, but... Did you feel like at seven, looking back, that you really had a firm grasp of like Jesus, the gospel, what he did for you, and like what salvation really meant? So, uh, I think like a state to a like a saving knowledge, Mm -hmm. I think so for sure. But as far as like a real understanding, you know, Mm -hmm. definitely not. I mean, I I don't know how much you know spiritual maturity you can have at at age seven, you know? Yeah, I mean, maybe so. Some dudes, you know. Or, or ladies. Um, so, like, so when did, you know, you spent 25 years in one church. Like, when yeah. did that spiritual maturity, like, get linked to your salvation? Yeah, I think it was really when I was about 13 or 14, uh, which is good because that's middle school ages, you know, beginning of high school kind of deal. And, uh, of course, it was like a church camp, man. And, like, that was like every summer was church camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure Baptist church camps get wild. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, definitely water balloons and all that kind of stuff. You That's know? right. Pretty mild stuff, actually. So what was the catalyst? Like, what was the thing, like you said, like, yeah, it spiritual was, maturity? I think it was one of those, like, quieter services, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, um, 
yeah, they, they would have big blowout services and all that. But, but one of those quieter times where it's like, okay, and, and a speaker who uh, was really talking about counting the cost and mm. things of that nature to where it's like, man, okay, this is not just, you know, not just an identity thing, not just a, I, this is how I grew up, not just a cultural thing, but a, but a real decision on my part, you know, a real understanding uh, maybe more of what Jesus actually did for us mm. um, and the ramifications of that, you know. And so I would say that probably at that time and later, you know, I, thinking back and, and I was, the question was put to me, you know, like, can you look back at a time in your life and you know for sure, like, you know, that you had the baptism of the Holy Spirit kind of deal. And uh, in the Baptist church, we didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, he was like the weird uncle of the Trinity, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, he would come to visit in the text when necessary, but like no one really knows what he's going to do. Right, you know, yeah, yeah, always yeah. made you a little nervous, you know? Um, so it's better just not to talk about him. Cause it just, yeah. You know, just kind of leave that alone. We don't need to figure all that out, you know? Um, and so, yeah, but I would, I would probably count that back to that time, like 13 or 14, really feeling for the first time, like, you know, a, a feeling of the Holy spirit and that, uh, that things were different, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I would say, I mean, my sanctification process, you know, Again. really, you know, ultimately, I think that uh, at that point forward. Well, that's, yeah. pretty, that's probably for a large majority. I don't, I don't want to put a, a number on it because it's probably not accurate, but I don't want to assume a number. But uh, a lot of people in church probably have that experience. Yeah, I would think so. You know, I mean, getting saved at a young age, especially if you're, I mean, I, we were there Wednesday night, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Um and then we had youth sometimes that would, you know, have events and all that kind of stuff. So we mm-hmm. were, we were the church a lot, mm-hmm. you know, um, knew all the hiding spots, knew all the places we weren't supposed to be. You know, it's kind of fun. We, we had, we have sons who are right about the same age and I feel like our sons have that knowledge of Absolutely. our facility. Absolutely. It's like they know where to go. We've always, we've caught them a few times. Yeah. Had to have like, they know which windows are the easiest ones to climb out of. That's right. <laughs> they know the, the locker room and where they can hang yeah. out in. Yes. Right. Uh, that's awesome. Yes. So, uh, so you got saved at like 12, 13. So that's like sixth, seventh grade, something in that, in that yeah. time frame, eighth grade. Um, what was like, uh, we actually have a weird story about how high school worked for us, like you and I. Yeah. So what was high school like for you? What kind of person were you in high school? Yeah. So high school, man. So actually around like eighth grade, I started playing guitar. Okay. And uh, my dad also for Christmas that year gave me his entire record collection hmm. of like from the 60s and 70s. And bought me a record player, you know, and that was, that was like his gift to me. And so that kind of began like, yeah, it was awesome, man. Um, that kind of began my musical journey as far Mm -hmm. as like, uh, learning about bands and all that kind of stuff. And then of course I wanted to be in bands. So I kind of ended up on the same skateboarding at the same time. And so, you know, ninth grade was like, you know, skateboard punk rock kid. Mm. Uh, in the nineties, there was like this big resurgence of punk rock and, uh, and the straight edge movement. Um, and I guess ultimately I, I maybe should have prefaced this earlier, but, um, but I think that, you know, you and I talked about just how ultimately my testimony is really one of my story is really one of God's faithfulness to me, mm, yeah. you know, and, uh, I'll just jump back to sixth grade real quick. There was a uh, pool party mm-hmm. for a girl in my class and, uh, you know, pool parties were what's up. That's right. But there were three dudes in there who I thought were super cool, and they smoked cigarettes. And so, like, their thing was, like, you know, they, they bounced from the party, and they were going to walk around the neighborhood and smoke cigarettes. Mm-hmm. I, like, worked up the courage to ask, like, man, I'm going to walk around with you guys. Mm-hmm. And they were like, all right, cool. So I started walking around with them. And then, like, you know, it took me probably about 15, 20 minutes to work up the courage to, like, really ask for that first cigarette. Mm. 
And then uh, this kid in sixth grade, he turns to me and he goes, nah, man, you don't want one of these. This is just an addiction. And I was like, oh, well, I, okay. Uh, making that decision for me. Appreciate that. Yeah. But I mean, and so looking back on that, I'm yeah. like, well, I mean, it had to be the Lord, right? Because I mean, what, what punk kid in sixth grade is going to be like, you don't want one of these, bro. This is an addiction. <laughs> That's right. You know, I'm like. It's good for me. Yeah. But for you, this is too much. So all that to say, in high school, in the punk rock movement, what was big was straight edge. And right. and straight edge was like, man, you didn't smoke. You didn't drink. You didn't <laughs> you didn't drink caffeine. Like, it was all, but it was all about self-glorification. But it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a, necessarily a spiritual movement. No, it wasn't. It was, it was purely like just you're setting yourself apart yeah. you know like and it was an elitism thing because it wasn't if if i remember correctly in my experience with straight edge kids it wasn't didn't come out of christianity no it was a very secular absolutely puristic almost yeah like purity like a par um, like a parallel thing like you know yeah. like running running counter to christianity or along the side of it you know was this you don't need christianity because you don't need any god because yeah. We and ourselves are gods, you know, kind of deal. Right. Um, and not that that was even like part of the mantra or anything, but it's like that's how you lived, you know, yeah. like. But like straight edge kids wore a lot of black. Yes, they did. Um, you you mentioned getting X'd up, and I yeah, hadn't, I hadn't heard that term in a long time. Yeah, the so, straight edge symbol was that was the black X. Yep. You know. So if you went to a, a hardcore show, which I was a part of, right? Uh, and I, you saw somebody with a, a, an X, which is funny. Jonathan and I went to the same high school, Lincoln. Yep. He graduated a year before me, 2000 to my 2001. And we had a lot of the same friends. Yeah. Like, if I named off probably five people, you would know all of them. But we didn't know each other. No, not at all. Like, we, like the bands that you talk about are the shows that I would have gone to. Right. I wasn't straight edge. I wasn't anything like that. I, I, was a, I wanted to be. You cool. were smarter than that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just think it's such an amazing thing. This is not the first time this has happened. But, like, <clears throat> meeting somebody from... 20 years ago yeah that, like if any point like i don't know a josh atkins right. right uh he's a good you know a long time friend of mine he was i think he was in the straight edge club yeah jason percy and those guys all those good all those dudes, anyways right? like you we probably were in the same vicinity or yeah. even probably hung out at times but we didn't actually know each other yeah it's crazy yeah it's crazy and what the lord has done yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. Absolutely it is, man. And so, yeah, so that kind of started my journey um, in the scene, yeah. you know, quote unquote. And uh, yeah, all my friends were in bands and we just kind of, we did all these house shows and it just was, it was kind of wild, man. What bands were you a part of? So I wasn't, I actually wasn't really in bands until after high school. Okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, I played music and everything with dudes, but I don't think I had the courage to really step out and like do it, you know, until it was after high school. But, um, but I was in a handful of bands, mono stereo. <laughs> we had a band called trust weenus, <laughs> which your weenus is apparently as bad as it sounds, just like the, the flap of skin at the end of your elbow that you can kind of pull on. Okay. I, I, I haven't looked that up because I've been afraid to, so but you trust it. So someone's going to look it up. Use your Google safe search. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we were in a band called Trust Weenus, and okay. I think we just thought it sounded funny. And uh, we had a T-shirt with like a robot that had a human heart in its hand, and like, sure, you know, that's that stuff that everybody did. That's right. Well, no, I mean, there's, 
yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and uh, a few other bands. Mono Stereo. Did I say that one? Yeah, you did. I did. Okay, yeah. That's Alligate a- Avenue was another one that we were in, which is the name of a street. Yeah. You know, that's a popular thing to do, but... But that's high school. I mean, that that was yeah. very typical of that of that group. But through all of that, even even though you were part of this straight edge club crew, right. whatever you want to call it, um, like the Lord, like you never left the Lord's side. Like you no, never went yeah. straight away from. Him, yeah, it's fascinating, and I guess that's where I was kind of going with that. I'm glad you got me back on track. Um, was that with the straight edge movement again? Looking back. And seeing that basically the peer pressure was to not do drugs, to not drink. Mm, right. I would have been ostracized or made fun of, you know, for doing those things. And so it's like reverse peer pressure or something. Yeah. And so looking back again, it's like, man, my life could have taken many different paths, but God's faithfulness in, in that, you know. Um, Did you have a desire to do those things? No. Or it was because that, that culture was so strongly yeah. anti it. It was like. No, I don't want nothing to do with that. Exactly. That's really more like what it was because, um, yeah, I mean, we just spent 24-7 with each other, and, and that was the crew, hmm. and that's what they were about, okay. you know? But, um, yeah, and so through all that, yeah, I'd never really strayed, man, and he kept his hand on me, and, um, I mean, I'm not saying that I was living my best life for Jesus at that time, you know, but... No, but if you can make it... Look, <laughs> if you can make it out of high school... Yes. With any, like amount of like that like you didn't get into heavy xyz whatever those yeah, things yeah. are right it's different for every single person right um then glory to god man yes <laughs> like, absolutely you know uh it's the testimony i want for my children yes there's <laughs> many examples you could look at in the bible and you can see where like somebody was ostracized or put aside yeah whether it be like in prison or a joseph's kind of situation like being away from his family and that shielded him from certain things yes. like and then God's, you know, faithfulness through all that, and right. you can see everything coming through that. So, yeah, absolutely, man. And that's that's and that's how I that's how I view it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then in, in like the college years, you know, I had Florida prepaid, <laughs> and we talked about this earlier, but um, I just kind of viewed that as like, man, my parents, like, you know, this this is not hurting them. They're not paying for my education. I don't know. It was like this weird idea of like the money's already been set aside. So I just basically, uh, you know, messed around. There was a there was a record shop in town called Vinyl Fever, mm-hmm. and we used to skip class all the time and just go hang out at Vinyl Fever and look for music and and do whatever, man. Anything besides going to school, and going to class. And I figured out too that if I didn't drop a class, that if I could, I just would wait and fail the class. That would gain me, you know, I think six or eight more weeks of not having to tell my parents, you know, that I had dropped a class because then they weren't know why and, and I would sell my school books back and keep the cash and like, it was not a good scene. I did that for about two years and, uh, but high school was the same way as far as like grades and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I did not make good grades, but mostly it was because, you know, we all decided that our teachers were stupid and that we were yeah, smarter right. than they were. And, That's right. And Rebellion is comes in many different forms. It does, you know, and, uh, and ultimately it was, it was dumb, you know, yeah. and it only hurt me. And then I was leading worship at church um, in the in the youth and in the college ministry there, but um, and so that was a strange time, you know, a lot of justification that happened there as far as that goes. But th- in the midst of that, um, uh, 
I met Amy, uh, who I I end up getting to marry down the road, and and she, you know, said yes, and I lied a lot to get to get her to say okay. yes, and no, that's not true. I have a I have, I have all this money. That that's right. That's right. I promised a lot of things. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I really believe that Amy uh, had to lower her standards, and I had to figure some things out. And we kind of met at that 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 where those two things intersect. That's hilarious. No, but um, but yeah, she came out to a worship night that we were doing at the church. Her sister was into uh, the drummer, and um, I was like, "Whoa, Amy Blocker!" I remember Amy Blocker from high school. Because we went to high school together. She was in she was in Lincoln too. She went to Lincoln too. Yeah, graduated the same year. Yeah, but Amy was like like creme de la creme, right? Like mm. like ran with that crew that was like two varsity sports, interact calendar girl, like okay. new alpha theta straight A student, you know. Oh, okay. Beautiful, yeah. you know. There's so. no way you and I would have hung out with. Yeah. Absolutely yeah, not. We were yeah, different that was, tier. Yes, <laughs> we actually were friends. We had a couple classes okay. uh, together, you know. So Amy would correct me now and say we were friends. She thought I was funny. You know, so anyway, I've always thought it was funny, so it worked out that way. <laughs> but anyway, we met up, and Amy was very forward, man. That's just kind of how she is. And she's like, hey, we should hang out sometime. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Like, uh, well, you know, just tell your sister, your sister, tell Joe, we'll all hang out. It'll be cool, you know. And she's like, no, seriously, we should hang out sometime. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I'll, let me get your number, you know. And and so I got her number, and we and I called her, and we hung out, man. And we just, we just never stopped hanging out. Okay. Like, that's our story, dude. Yeah. Like, just... From that moment on, it was like, man, the Lord has given me mm-hmm. this gift in this woman yeah. because it was different than any relationship I'd ever been a part of, you know? And um, and, and the same for her, she would say. But uh, throughout that, man, uh, it was really important to Amy that I had some form of education <laughs> so that we could maybe build a future together. That one or two semesters of flunking out of every class yes. wasn't really going to be enough, I guess. No, it wasn't. Exactly. You know? And we, and we got married at that time, actually, too. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so she had a really good job. Amy's always been much more marketable than me. And uh, so at that time, I went back to school. And I, um, I did get uh, an, a two-year degree in graphic design um, at TCC. And, man, that 13th grade just went on and on and on and on. <laughs> it was nine years um, was, like, the total time between yeah. high school graduation and when I actually... It just takes people longer. Yeah, like, it's it that just, journey, right? It's a journey. You sound... God, besides the straight-edge thing, I felt like our lives were the same. But, like, <laughs> uh, it just takes some... Some people... some. Men specifically, just we just mature. We bloom, we blossom later in life. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely, it is, man. Um, and for me, that was definitely the, the case. But uh, so we we had been we were married at that time. Um, oh, I should back up a little bit actually, right before that, because uh, I did want to share one story from like the whole music scene thing. Um, I was in a band and we were doing like a Beatles cover night kind of deal at the beta bar at the mm, time mm-hmm. which then became the sidebar and now is no more yeah um but on the corner of like Gaines and railroad nope and it was halloween night and i was still doing the whole justification thing of like you know oh it's cool like i mean because because these dudes were drinking and these dudes were partying and i would go with them and i wouldn't and i would not do it and right. it was a miserable time i would just wander around and try to have conversations with people i guess and and ride with them there and get stuck, you know, while they're all getting drunk and, and I'm just, but I was holding that line, you mm-hmm. know, and I was going to change these dudes, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it was okay. And but anyway, so Halloween night, 
this dude rolls in, he's dressed as Jesus. And another dude rolled in dressed as like a, a Roman centurion. And they got super drunk, and then they pretend beat Jesus and laughed about it all night long. And I just remember feeling like the Lord was like, "Dude, what are you, Mm. what are you doing here, man? Like, like is this, is this really like what you want to be doing?" Mm. And so I quit the band that night, and that was the last secular show that I ever played. Um, And so fast forward a little bit. Amy and I, uh, when we got married, um, her church wasn't my church, and my church wasn't her church, and neither one seemed to really fit for us as a couple, and so we ended up at a, uh, a non-denominational church here in town, and while we were there, um, man, it was amazing, because this church taught verse by verse through God's Word, mm-hmm. and um, that, was, that was their thing, and not that... Not that that's the right way to teach God's word. Uh, I think it's a pretty safe way to yeah, teach God's word, sure. um, especially if your goal is to kind of you know teach it in its entirety. Mm-hmm. And um, so and they yeah, went, they went like Genesis through Revelation. They did, Genesis yeah, and they would like start over again. Through, yeah. Exactly, yeah, and it was crazy. But how they kind of did it was on Wednesday nights they would actually do like a deep dive into like an entire chapter, you know, verse mm-hmm. by verse. Then Sundays would be more of a topical pulled from that same chapter. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of how they would do that. Yeah. Um, and so it was really more like Sunday, you would get like a lot more of the application kind of deal. Gotcha. And we just grew, man, like crazy with just that that sheer amount of God's word being just put into us. You know, I'd never heard anyone teach like that before um, because the church I grew up in, you know, was, was very, very topical and very um, current a lot yeah. of times, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you would work your way through the current events in life and then you would, you know, teach a sermon on it. And, right. Yeah, that Somehow kind of stuff. apply the Bible to it. Yeah, you know, and I, f- I feel like in, in retrospect, a lot of that was, you know, uh, different lenses being applied to the Bible as opposed to just teaching God's Word and letting it be relevant to you on its own, you know. Right. So we grew tremendously, and Amy ended up on staff there um, as a bookkeeper, and I ended up on staff there uh, as the creative director. Okay. Uh, and, and working with uh, all things production and uh, design and... And yeah, it was a long journey there, man. We were there for 15 years. And um, while we were there, uh, things started to kind of shift a little bit, you know, for us. And we like we were definitely growing in our, in our knowledge of God's Word. And things were deep. Um, but <laughs> I'm, I'm ashamed to say, in some instances, like, we kind of did things, especially as the creative director, like, coming up with ideas that we just kind of thought were cool you know, and whether or not it really met the needs of the people or whether or not it really had an impact in the community. Sometimes we just thought it was really cool, man. What what year was that? Can you put a a date on that? Yeah. So we probably started attending there. uh, Let's see. Amy and I got married in 2006. Okay. So yeah, it was like 2007, 2008. That's fascinating. Cause I mean, if you really like look at a lot of churches were doing what you're talking yeah. about. Cause it was like, yeah. it was a new age of like graphic design and right. like we weren't using transparencies anymore. Right. Yeah, Where, exactly. you know, like graphic design, the ability to stream things, yes. like the internet was all that was taking coming off. Yeah. Like, like all, yeah, all of that timing, I almost, I can't think of a church who wasn't attempting to, to try new things to be cool and relevant. To Absolutely. An extent, you know, because yeah, it was it's true. I mean, why you know not not to say why wouldn't you but it was very common for that that yeah to see that now it's like commonplace where everybody 
has all those resources. But back then, yeah, like it was new. It was, it was new. You're right. And and this church had always kind of been a little more contemporary, you know, in that respect as well. You know, the praise and worship had always been uh, band format, you know, with mm-hmm. guitars and, and drums and things like that. Um, not very formal, not a lot of hymns, uh, a lot of music I had not heard before growing mm-hmm. up in church, you know. So coming there, it was all new. Um, and I thought it was awesome, you know. Yeah. But I had decided that uh, because of all the volunteering and leading worship and doing things, you know, at, at the church I was at previously that I, um, I was going to lay low, you know, for sure. And it bothered Amy, man. I mean, she was like, why aren't you going to get involved in things, you know? And so it was probably like four or five years of me not really doing anything, man, mm-hmm. other than just like sitting and soaking and, and taking in God's word, man. And, and, uh, then it got around that I play guitar, and so I ended up being like I, I stepped in to a role of, of playing acoustic guitar with no microphone in the mm. back of the stage. And it was it was wonderful, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Zero pressure. Right, right. With a music stand in front of me. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, I had zero pressure. I just got to play, and it was blissful, you know? Yeah. And then the co-worship leader who was on this team, we had three teams at the time. There's a lot of musicians there. Uh, she moved on to something else and so then it was like well hey bro like you should just like help co-lead this thing and then the actual worship director of the church moved on to become a pastor of another church Mm. so then it was like this thing just fell in my lap you know of leading worship and um i didn't know how to lead worship man Mm. yeah i mean i came from a scene where everything is about you to now nothing is about you but the stage, the venue, the the presentation is all the same, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, you know, I mean, the lights are on you, the mic is on you, <laughs> but this right. is not about you. Right, exactly. Yeah, and I did not really have any strong mentors as mm-hmm. far as that went. Um, and so worship was a struggle. Mm-hmm. It was a real struggle for me. And uh, there was also a lot of fear built up into it and anxiety around it. Uh, I remember there being mornings and, and Wednesday nights where, or Wednesdays where I would wake up and be like, man, what, what could I, how could I call in and figure out a way to not, not lead worship today? Hmm. And uh, some of that was on me for sure, you yeah. know, and, but some of it too, man, had been bred into us a little bit. I mean, like there was very little room for mistakes. Culture is a, a huge part of that. Absolutely, man. And I do believe that as the years went on, man, we became more and more kind of performance driven at times mm. to the point where, you know, I, I would sometimes get met in between services. We had two services and I would need to explain what happened in that first service as to why mistakes have been made. Wow. And it was handled, you know, fairly harshly, man. And then I got to go back out for that second set. <laughs> right. <laughs> After getting kind of hammered in between, yeah. you know. And so then I was scared to death. And so worshiping while leading worship kind of didn't happen, man, for me mm. in a lot of respects. Because then it was like, okay, I need to make sure I get everything right. I need to make sure. And the way it was kind of pitched to me was then, I mean, that because things are perfect, now the people there, like their worship is not hindered, you know. Yeah, and, it, and it became yeah. very formulaic uh, where we had like our first song, which was always the throwaway song because people never made it to church by t- that time. So it's like we could literally play anything we wanted probably, you know, Highway to Hell or something, you know, and it's like... <laughs> well, that's been done before. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't that kind of church, but um, we didn't feel that kind of freedom in Christ. But uh, 
But um, yeah, I mean, it's the first song was a throwaway song, and then you had two upbeat songs, and you right. have everybody yep. sit down, and then you'd play like a really like kind of intense, like more of a ballad kind of song, and then you would build back up, and then halfway through that last song, everybody bro, stand everybody back stand up. back That's up, right. and yeah. a big triumphant, you know, in there, just in time for the pastor to hit the stage, and like, you know, like it just... Some of those things started to happen, and then in came the click tracks, and in came the um, the loops, and and the, you know all the music behind the scenes. And now you got like people that are playing instruments, but their instruments are also being played like you know from a computer, and it's so things got a little a little wacky, you know, in my opinion, with yeah. some of that stuff. Because especially the way I grew up, you know, I grew up with a three piece where yeah. it's like you know garage band, dude on a bass, drums, and guitar, and then you just you just hit it hard, and it sounded terrible, and. And, but that was the point. It but was that was the point, right, exactly, you know. <laughs> um, and so uh, there started to be some disconnects there for me. Yeah. Um, and there started to be some uh, some not really understanding the vision. Mm. And in the midst of that, the Lord made it easy for me. Um, he, uh, We had started a downtown campus, which was close to FSU, which was um, kind of funny in its own respect because there was another church that was already downtown and they were yeah. killing it, man. Yeah. I mean, they they were really reaching that whole group of people. That was their that was kind of their whole platform. But so naturally, though, we we need to do something. Yeah, like that, yeah. Right? There's that, that that desire within a church to say, oh, well, we're not downtown. Right. We're on this side of town. This ex wherever we where y'all were. Yeah, and we were we were pretty far away from downtown. Yeah, yeah. And, and pretty far away. But like there was this this want to, and we had a, a young dude that was that was really on fire teaching God's word, and he was awesome. And so it was like, man, we need to get this guy involved with the young people. And yeah. where we're at right now, that's that's not going to happen. Yeah. So we actually, and, and in some respects, it was really neat, man, because we actually we were the first church to ever meet in Railroad Square, mm. which at that time was like, it was an not art. Not what it is today. Yeah, not what it is today, man, when College Town took over. But yeah. back then it was it was an art park, literally. Mm-hmm. People living in warehouses and just doing art. You know, there was a, a Tibetan shrine there and there was, you know, a Buddhist, you know, temple group there. And and the people were freaked out that that someone claiming the name of Jesus was coming in there. But we got to love on those people, man. Hmm. And we got to... Uh, help them with things, unload their vehicles when they were pulling in, you know, like, I don't know, fix plumbing for them. And, and over the years, man, like it, it, it was a couple of years and it really grew into something beautiful as far as that aspect of things goes. But, you know, couch that and, and we end up moving into the sidebar, mm-hmm. which was the wow. same location where I played that last show, man, yeah. where God really spoke to me and asked me what the heck I was doing, you know? Yeah. And so it was this weird circle of coming back around, and now we're doing church inside this bar. And we're rolling in on Sundays after a Saturday night there, and things are rough, dude. I so mean, you're just, you're, you're, you moved in in the sense that you're renting the space. Exactly. On Sorry, I should have clarified no, that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we started holding our downtown campus services there yeah. at this exact same bar, you know? And I mean, and we'd have people roll in, like this girl rolled in one Sunday, and she was literally looking for her shoes and her phone, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a rough night. Yeah. You know? Because that place is nasty. And yes, if you don't have your shoes on, yes, like, what what's happening? That's so, But anyway, all that to say, man, like, there was this redemption part of this. And again, I got to see God's hand of faithfulness in my life, you know? Like, to, to say, like, man, like, almost like um, this time is being redeemed, you know? Or I'm right. showing you, like, you know, that, that I, even though back then, you know, you weren't really doing things for me, man. And you kind of had things off base. Like, I was there, man. You know, I'm there with you. And... uh 
So that was really neat mm-hmm. in, the, in that respect. But ultimately, the downtown campus got shut down, and, but God made it easy on me. started stirring in me this um something that had probably been there for a long time which was this idea of uh of teaching god's word Hmm. and and growing in that and i thought wow okay well if i'm gonna start teaching god's word or if this is something a direction i'm moving in like i should probably like get some kind of education in this and at that time um the church that we were at had uh bible colleges kind of in different places all over the world and through some you know um, only his hand moving, but in what I would consider like some, whoa, crazy events as far as stuff happening. Um, we ended up making some connections in, in Peru, hmm. in South America. And uh, a girl from our church married a dude from down there. He was a pastor of an affiliate church in uh, Lima, Peru. Um, I had a chance to go down there and hang out and visit them. And in the midst of that, seeing everybody there that was on staff, that was a product of this Bible college in Peru, I was just so impressed with these people. Mm. And so I told Amy, I was like, man, we should, we should go do Bible college in Peru. And I didn't know what she was going to say, but she was like, absolutely. And hmm. I was like, whoa, okay. So now, so now we got to start making some decisions, you know? Um, and at the time, uh, I don't know if I should feel bad about this or not, but I haven't talked about my children at all. That's okay. Anyway, we had two children at the time right? Uh, in the midst of that, and um, two boys, Ezra and Milo. And I just saw it as an opportunity for them as well to see that um, God is not the God of America, mm-hmm. you know? Right, 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 right. Um, that, and in fact, that he looks very, very different in, in other parts of the world, you know? And, uh, I think that you can't help but have just such a, a Western mentality, you know? Yeah. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. Culture, and so culture breeds perspective. Yeah, absolutely. It does. That's a good way to say that. Um, so, um, long story short on that, we, we felt led to sell our house, to sell our cars and to go in and move to Peru and people thought we were crazy. And, you know, Amy's mother was like, well, you can't, you can't do college in the United States. <laughs> Like there's a lot of you know, seminaries and Bible colleges yeah. and I'm like, well, I could, but how awesome would it be to go to Peru, you know? And I didn't know what I was getting into or anything like that. And um, I had these big romantic ideas about mm-hmm. like Peru just being like the end all, right? Like we're moving to Peru. That's it. Like yeah, we're going to, yeah. we're going to, we're going to be here forever. We're going to be Peruvians. That's it. We're going to be was Peruvians. I was yeah. Just guessing. Okay, that cool. is correct. Yeah, dude. And I will just throw this in, like, contrary to maybe some popular belief, and I understand. Like, we, we came back from Peru, and, like, the first night we were back, we ate dinner with some folks, and they apologized for making tacos. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, South America, Mexico. Not the same. You know, I mean, yeah. So there were no tortillas. There were no burritos. <laughs> there were no street tacos. Like, it just – it's a different culture completely. That's fantastic. But, you know, and, and I didn't want to, like, you know, and so – yeah, but okay. but I didn't know until I went there either, you know. That's so right. and then the the other funny thing about going to Peru, and I'm jumping the gun a little bit as far as the story goes, but okay. it was just um, the idea that everyone speaks English, 
Like I just assumed, like, you know, mm. I was like, especially, I mean, young people definitely speak English and we got there and most people did not speak English. I would think. Yeah. So you thought like in a South American country that English would be in like a, a second, second language. language. Yeah. Really? You know, like, okay. I mean, I think I just had this mindset of like the world speaks English, Oh, you know, yeah. and, and I see that. yeah. And so that was not the case. Was yeah. 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 And so that was a good awakening in that. And I feel like I learned from that too, but, but ultimately, man, we, we see that God's hand was in it for sure because with selling the house and selling the cars, like we paid off all of our debt mm. and we financed that entire time in Peru, which actually only ended up being eight months total. We did two semesters there and then just really felt so burdened mm. for America um, mm. because we would look at these people. We ended up in the mountains at 10,000 feet, the Andes. It was absolutely beautiful, man, in a completely agricultural you know, society and these people living just these beautiful, simple lives. Mm -hmm. And their reach was so small, right? Mm -hmm. Because... That's just the way their lives are. Yeah, and been that way for centuries, <laughs> exactly. generations. Exactly, and and so I could only think about myself. You know, I'll I'll put myself first in this, mm -hmm. and just how consumer driven I am, and how you know uh, internally focused I can be, yeah. and my reach is so endless to an extent. You know, yeah, true. Um, based That's on good. on the way that, that God has blessed me and what He's given a lot of us here in America. You know. And so I just felt so um, compassionate about that and so impassioned about that, I guess yeah, I should yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. And uh, man, it kind of, I was like, man, really, like, I guess this is it for us in Peru kind of deal, you know? And and so we came back after eight months, um, two semesters of four months each. And, but there was just such a simplicity there that yeah. Amy and I promised each other we were going to bring back with us. And I think we did for a time, but mm -hmm. it's like, you know, slowly the things, all the options, all the connectivity, all the media, you know, all those things started to creep back into our lives because there, man, it was quiet. It mm -hmm. was quiet. And I remember talking to the Lord at one point and being like, I don't know how I pretended to hear you in America, you know, like with all the distractions That's true. That's that true. I have, you know, um, how could I ever hear, like hear your voice really, you know? And we grew a lot there, man. We grew a lot. We grew a lot also in this in the idea of minimalism. And I mean, we literally had very few possessions. And uh, yeah, and so ultimately we came back and I really believe that the Lord was telling us to step out from the church that we were at. And I chose not to do that. And um, it was comfortable. Um, I was coming back into a position of leadership there. And uh, we were there for probably two more years, I think. And that time was tough, man. It was. Because I saw I was growing in a, into a position of an elder there. And so, but still there was some disconnect as far as the vision there. And I, I don't think I understood. Um, and it couldn't really be explained very well either. And there was a style of leadership there too that... Um, that was very top down as far as uh, very few checks and balances. Mm. I'm not going to say there was any kind of like any uh, anything immoral happening. Um, I just think with that system in place, like I thank God yeah. that the man who was leading that church or is leading that church, you know, um, had the amount of integrity that he did and had his eyes focused on the Lord and wasn't a greedy man. and wasn't someone that mm. was, you know, trying to take money. wasn't someone who was, you know, using their power uh, to manipulate others. Um yeah. But 
it was it was a tough environment at times um uh, because of that and uh there was such a, a a push for professionalism such a push for production yeah at different times you know and what I do think you think it, drove that what do you think drove the desire that perfection was necessary yeah or the expectation so i had it explained to me one time and and this sounded very biblical you know and yeah. everything that the idea was that spiritual warfare is going on at all times and so any kind of distraction from that, you know, or any kind of distraction for people who are coming through those doors, yeah. um, the devil will, will definitely use. And so like any gum wrapper, any fingerprint smudge, like any, I mean, there was just this high, high level of, we want people to come through these doors. And honestly, that had, had kind of become over the years, their only outreach model as well, mm. which was like, if people can make it through these doors, then... They'll get the gospel. They'll, they'll get the gospel and they yeah, can be yeah, reached, yeah. you know? At all, it, we were talking about this. And so I think it's fascinating that so many, it's like it's so different than in the real world. Yeah. Like, real world, church world, like they are the same world, but you know what I mean? I like, do know what separate. you mean, yes. And it's like, you know, if I'm working at a business and somebody comes up to me and says something super like, you know, I get it sometimes with my job, you know, like, you know, I have to do this thing every day where I have to post a question to the entire church, church, the entire company. And like, I don't always do it at the same time. They want me to be more consistent and like, okay. Like sometimes that stuff bothers me cause I'm not, I'm not a perfectionist in that way. Like, who cares? Like, but it matters to them. Yes. But in like, in, but if they come to me and they say something that's like, not just offensive, but where to would be like a red light, um, uh, that would show like a deficiency within the company that shows an immoralness or, Something that would would like a like a culture problem that would say like oh, I need to get out of here. Yeah, I would immediately start looking for a job. Yeah, absolutely. But in church, and you kind of spoke about it earlier, but like I want you to parse it out a little bit. But in church, we get trapped, mm. and we we have an emotional connection to the people. We have an emotional connection because of I mean we did spend twenty five years in this place, whatever it is. Yeah, and we pick up on these red flags. I said red lights, red flags. Um, and we just stick around. Yeah. I wonder why that is. Yeah. I mean, I think for, I'll, I'll speak for myself, you know, there was definitely this emotional quality there, you know, um, because your leadership becomes like father figures, you know? Mm. And, um, I, I mentioned this to you when we were first talking about, you know, doing this, this episode and stuff. And in retrospect now, based on some other podcasts I've been listening to, <laughs> um, that are that are kind of listing out uh, some cautionary tales from other churches. But um, one thing that really uh, stuck out to me in thinking about things lately um, was the statement at one point in time in a staff meeting of um, that there are a lot of things that are permissible, but that disloyalty will get you fired. Hmm. Um, and at the time it was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I mean like you, you want to be loyal to things that are going on here and everything. And, but I think that, um, but that, that's a huge red flag. It is, yeah. Like in retrospect, you can look back and say, like, you know, oh, that was a red flag. I should have seen it. But the fascinating part to me to that comment is that, in the moment, you justified it. Yeah, absolutely, right. You, you were like, oh well, that makes sense. Loyalty is important. And I think also it was like, well, I am loyal, so this is not an issue for me. Right. You know, kind of deal. But, um, but, but then I would, I, I did watch some folks, man, who, who proved disloyal, quote unquote, and, um, and things didn't end so well, you know, and 
So all that to say that the growing inside of, of Amy and I was a, an uncomfortableness. Mm. Um, and not, not in a negative way, even at times, um, but just a stirring in our hearts, you know, to, to step out. And this, this idea, again, growing in us of the body of Christ being beyond the doors of, of this church, you know. Mm. Um, I can remember having a conversation with someone in leadership and them being like, well, you're in fellowship here. Like, why would you need to be in fellowship anywhere else? And it's like, well, I just really feel like the Lord is stirring me in that direction to step out and into more things. And I'd had a couple of opportunities to, uh, teach from the pulpit. Um, and I felt that I was growing in that. Um, and I, I really was feeling the Lord start to stir in me that maybe this path of, of becoming a pastor, um, was a real thing, you know, and, and it terrified me. And, um, but I also was excited about it. You know I mean? Paul talks about it, it being a good thing to, to, to want to be in, in leadership for the right reasons, you know? Right, right, right. And I think that maybe I, I didn't trust myself and probably rightly so, you know, with, uh, always believing that I had those right reasons at heart, you know? And I think that's a, that's a battle that probably has to be worked out, you know, for the rest of our lives. For sure. But, um, but ultimately we did step away. From, from that church, and it did not go over great um, in some respects uh, because, you know, at that time, Amy had been working there for eight years. I had been working there for five years. Um, we uh, were fixtures at the church, yeah. you know, and, and I don't mean to say that in this aspect of like, I mean, that church did not miss a beat <laughs> when, right, right, when right. we stepped away. But I don't, you were important to the... I, mean, I, I don't mean that at all, but we were family, you know? Yeah. And, and we had relationships that were deeper than just the average person going and, and all that as well. And, um, and we took a lot of counsel and a lot of time and a lot of prayer. And, uh, and we really felt like... I mean, really what it came down to was a buddy of mine who was a pastor said, look, dude, if God's leading you in this and you're choosing to be disobedient, then that's sin. So don't sin is, mm. is kind of how he put it to me. Wow. And I was like, man, that's truth. And, uh, and so, yeah, so we stepped away and, but I, I had this like, and this is my own arrogance probably in my own, um, delusions. I had this idea, man, that like, man, this is the only church in town that's teaching God's word, you know? And so I was scared to death because it's like, now we have to shop around and it's going to take us years to find a place probably anywhere as good as what we just, yeah. You know? And, uh, it was almost like buyer's remorse kind of thing, but it was like stepping away remorse. Like, Oh, did we make the right decision? And, Mm -hmm. and that kind of came back and forth many, many times, you know? And, um, and I, and I hope that like none of this comes across as like disparaging to this church or whatever. But I think that when you get behind the curtain, and you are able to see people as people and not just these these figures, you know, not just the the dude who's on stage, but you get to see his faults behind that as well. Right. People have asked me before, like, what's the hardest part about being in ministry? And I said, the hardest part about being in ministry for me is to be completely pissed off with your pastor during the week and then go and receive from him on Sunday. Oof. Like reconciling that, right? And whether that's, you know, on me, or on him, or some combination of the above. Yeah. Us just being human beings in a work yeah. environment, trying to make things happen, you know, trying to seek the Lord, trying to follow him in ministry, uh, and then go receive from him on Sunday. If you can do that, then you can be in ministry, right? If you can, if you can reconcile those things and get to a point where you can realize, like, this is a man just like I am. Yeah. You know, this is a woman just like my wife is. Right. <laughs> I right, almost right. said I am. Um, <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. But at the but on the. <laughs> But on the flip side, like, like, that's, yes, that I, I think what you're trying to say is, 
maybe I misheard, but that is part of ministry is like having two people who are humans yes. that have their own faults that are like going to say things not perfectly every single Absolutely. time and maybe not communicate the best way. And you know, I, you know, that's, that's certainly true, but it certainly shouldn't be the culture, a consistent culture. Like if you find yeah. yourself in a place where it's Absolutely. like every Monday through Friday or Saturday, I'm just pissed off and angry. Yeah. Um, and then Sunday, I have to like figure out some time between Saturday afternoon and Sunday morning to get my to get head over right. That <laughs> like that's not ministry. That's yeah. like awful. Yeah, <laughs> awful no ministry. I don't. You know, I, I just you know. Right. I hear what you're saying. Like, there's definitely like the human. We have to get through those problems, and we have to work through them when we disagree yeah. and all of that. That certainly happens, but certainly not something that I would say. Is, is necessary and should be consistent. Absolutely, yeah. And and I wouldn't even say that that was like the 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 complete environment there at all. Yeah. But just in general, you know, um yeah, and so and so ultimately, yeah, Amy and I we we stepped away, brother, and and back to that. I mean, just and we had people giving us suggestions as far as, you know, um what church to check out. And the nice thing is, I mean, we could listen to all this online without yeah, having to right. set foot in the door. That's and right. some of the stuff was church just shop complete silliness you know mm-hmm. it's like this is foolishness mm-hmm. we're not going to go to church here you know and um and so we tried a few on but only a few and then man i found uh you know marshall's teachings um and was able to listen to a bunch of it online and i was like wow this dude powerfully teaches verse by verse through, yeah. through God's word. I know it hasn't always been that way. That's kind of a, a thing that you guys have, you know, uh, as God has led yeah, you into, years, yeah, yeah sure. which is awesome, you know? And, um, and, and so I was like, Whoa, okay. Yeah. We don't do the Genesis through revelation. Right. Thing. Right. We'll just like pick a book of the Bible. Like we walk through the gospel. Yeah. The year. Like right now we're in Isaiah. But. Yeah, exactly. And I, I love the fact that like at the beginning of this year or the beginning of this cycle, you know, Marshall was like, we're going to be in two books this year, yeah, yeah, basically. That's right. Like yeah. the book of Matthew, the book of Isaiah. Yeah. And that's what the Lord has led him into, that's you right. know? And I think being open to that is, is awesome. Because right. that meat is just so important, man. I, our lives were so changed by the church we were at because in the midst of things that we may not have agreed with or, or in the midst of things where, um, you know, like I said, the vision was, I didn't understand it necessarily. God's word was always taught, yeah. you know? And, and I truly believe that that church stands today and has stood for, for many, many years under the same, you know, man because he has faithfully taught God's word mm. um, in, in day in and day out, yeah. you know? rarely did he ever give up his pulpit and all that so mm. so yeah so the the importance of uh, that was very very key to us right. was that god's word you know what are they saying about jesus <laughs> you know yeah. and, and what what's being taught from the pulpit you know and so we came to red hills dude and uh man that's it that's yeah and the the end yes <laughs> and thank you for joining us thank you yes sir. this has been another red hill story yeah <laughs> i'm lyle walker um yeah but uh and this and this was in the midst of COVID. You know, this was right. this was now about two years ago. Uh, two years ago, God. year and a half. No, year and a half. Year and a half. It was like March. I want to say y'all showed up around yeah. March, April, something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. And so I mean, it was right. right before the shutdown. It was right before yes. we had to all go home. Right, right. Um, and so yeah, and so at that time we were living with my grandmother, and we were kind of helping take care of her. And so because of that, and I don't know if this was logically it makes sense it's now but uh i was the only one coming to church at the time 
because we were trying to, to limit that exposure. Yeah, and, it was and, a weird time. Yeah, and also in the midst of that, um, we had a baby, man, in the middle of COVID. And it had been eight years or like seven and a half years since we'd had a baby. And I really pushed for this child, man. And I was like telling Amy, things are going to be different. <laughs> I'm going to be so much more helpful. And um, and he was born two months early, man. Mm. And so was in the NICU. And Amy had emergency C-section. And he was born at two pounds, 12 ounces. And that rocked us. Um, me especially. Mm. You know, that dude came home at uh, four and a half pounds. And I had like a 48-hour panic attack. And, um, but, uh, you know, back to the idea of God's faithfulness and, and his favor, man, that boy is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and Amy's on a, a couple of, you know, different, uh, groups on Facebook that deal with, you know, preemies and, and moms of preemies and, and children that were born almost in his exact same way and mm-hmm. time frame and all that kind of stuff are really struggling. Mm. And so I can only just thank God, man, because of the favor that he has shown us in that. Um, yeah, and that's that's a, a huge part of our testimony now. Hmm. And that dude is, uh, he's a champ. Jasper, Jasper yep. Jude, <laughs> the dude. Um, but yeah, so a lot, of, a lot of change, a lot of upheaval, man, at the same time. That's right. Because um, y'all didn't really, I'm trying to think of fully come back yeah we even I Amy think, until early this year right well, I, because yeah of exactly vaccines, exactly did, you know all of that stuff and like until yeah the numbers started decreasing well we moved out of the house as well and my yeah. grandmother you know is in a different living situation now and so we're not around her all the time That's and right, she got yeah. vaccinated you know as the vaccines came online um so yeah it was a, a lot of of change and upheaval man to yeah. to leave a church that we had been at for 15 years you know, and some people kind of hit us with the whole oh, church shopping kind of deal. And I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. I've been a part of two churches in 40 years. So, you know, I don't know if that counts as shopping around. But but anyway, yeah. Well, so, um, yeah. So, I mean, in the midst of leaving our our family, I think we'd been I had been to church three times when Jasper was born. Yeah. And uh, just the outpouring of. Yeah, I would, I would definitely yeah. say there was like an instant connection, though. It was interesting. Because y'all in the Dowdies, like. Your, your two families showed up yeah. at the same time. Right. And like there were some internal connections. I think you knew some people, you yeah. know, like-minded or, or relationship wise. And, but there was an instant connection between you and I, and we became yeah. really close friends. And even yeah. during that time, I remember us talking on the phone a lot about mm-hmm. what you were struggling with and some of that stuff. And I, I really felt like the, the, the Lord's hand was on y'all yeah. from the beginning and you can kind of tell when somebody shows up to church and they're really like, they put their hand out and they're like, you know, well, I'm just here. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I am just church shopping. I'm going to go, we're only here for a couple of weeks. Yeah, we're going to yeah. go try a couple of different places. And I think I said, I think you may have even hinted that early on, but there was a difference. It was like, we're almost immediately, it was like, we're coming from this kind of situation and we're looking for something. Yeah. Um, but it was a different aura. It was like, we're looking for something, but we're not church shopping. Right. Those are two different things, right? right? We're looking for a leadership style, which is not what we just experienced, but also something that taught the Bible. And, um, you know, obviously since you guys have been stuck around and all that, you know, you found it at Red Hills, but there was an immediate, like almost, it really was was uncanny how quickly I felt weird to go home and tell Amy, like, this is our church kind of deal, you know, like, but it felt that way. It really did. And I mean, I can only attribute to his kindness, man, God's kindness Mm -hmm. to us, you know, that we did not have to shop around (laughs) my situation. I mean, yeah, it's not my story, but it happened to me. Yeah. You know, seven years ago. Right. 
I was looking for a church. We hadn't been in church for a long time. And a friend of friend of mine was like, hey, you need to go check out this church before you make a decision. I'm like, fine. And the first Sunday I showed up, Marshall wasn't even there. Um, he was, I think it was one of the kids' birthdays. And that told me a lot. Yeah. Right? That the head pastor was willing to step down and just like. And spend time with his family. family. Yeah, that's huge. But then it was just like, man, I texted April because our daughter, our youngest, uh, she was in her morning nap routine and like right at the time church started. So April didn't come with me. So I was by myself and I sat in the back and I texted her during the service. And I was like, well, we found it. Wow. You know, and it was as basic as, I mean, it was, yeah. we're not high production now, but it was even more, yeah. or even less production yeah, than, absolutely. than it is now. And so there's, there's this thing when you're looking for a church, it's not even like you find it. The Holy Spirit speaks to you and yes. it's like, yes. this is it. And lets you know, man. And yeah. that's and that's how it was for us. Because there was just such a simplicity there as well. That's right. I mean, we came we came from uh, a place where there were a lot of amenities. There were a lot of programs. There were a lot of, you know, and, and things were actually were simplifying as we were leaving. But, um, but yeah, it just was things that I felt were distracting me. Yeah. I'll just put it that way. You know, I was being distracted from the focus of what was core, you know. Yeah. And rolling into Red Hills, it's like, man, like, this you know awesome worship i also had never been a part of a church that had so many musicians yeah. red hills has an unbelievable it's amount ridiculous. of musicians yeah and so the worship was killer you know um as far as but but simple too yeah you know i mean very like you said i mean production is not a thing we meet in a gymnasium so it's yeah. like not like a you know <laughs> yeah I and mean, we did the it's so funny you talked about the cycle of music and the the types of songs yeah like, if you were to come to one of our worship sets enough like you, you could probably pick up on a on a rotation of a yeah of, of, a, of a cycle of how the worship is done but it's free-flowing it is it's it's meant there's four songs we don't just pick out songs random on right. sunday that's pre- pre- prepared christy and and Justin do a great job with yes. that. There's intentional intentionality behind it, mm-hmm. but there's freedom there. Um, but there is like a core kind of structure behind it, right. which is similar to what you were talking about before. That yeah, you do start. I mean, very few churches will start out with a slow song. One most all right, the way. Right. But like, um, well, my point in saying that is like, you can have that level of structure if the spirit behind it yes. is right. Absolutely. And and there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with production. There's nothing wrong yeah. with the flashing lights and all of that. If the spirit behind it is right yes. and the motivations is for Jesus and, and, and to praise him and glorify him through it, absolutely. then then that's really just an ancillary, that's a side thing to what the point is. Yeah. But I think, unfortunately, what you experience and what so many people do experience in worship services, um, that spirit isn't always out for Yeah, you know? and, and there's also very little room for the spirit, yeah. you know? Like, everything is so scripted at some point that yeah. it's like, all right, if you don't show up in 30 seconds here, like, you know, yeah. that's all we can set aside for you, yeah. bro, like to the Holy Spirit, you know? Yeah. It's like... And it's, you know, I, I don't want to pump up Red Hill like we're something special. No, right? but I know what you're but saying. But this, some of this is built out of necessity. Yeah. We are simple because we have to be. Right, You right. know, both of the, you know, Marshall and myself, as the pastor of the church, we both weren't full-time jobs. Like we can't be overly complicated. We, we literally can't right. do it. Christy lives in a different town and drives yes. up here. You know, Justin works a full-time job. Like those who are leading on Sunday mornings, like if we tried to be complicated, it would be a disaster mm-hmm. because we can't do it. Right. And so sometimes we are forced into some simplicity 
but in that there's like this goodness it's like this like this this truth behind it because it's just like yeah this is who we are this is what we what we're doing here we're here to worship jesus and preach the word Absolutely. and if you're in line with that let's go for it um so that le- that leads me to this right okay. so a- around that time uh you know about a i guess nine ten months ago you know i was i had finished up my pastoral candidacy about the same time that you guys started coming and uh we sat down with you and three other dudes yeah uh, and started talking about that desire that you had to become a pastor so let's just real quick just kind of like talk about that where do you see god taking you what is yeah. it you know going through this pastoral candidacy process and right. for those who don't know a pastoral candidate is someone who we've identified within the body who has a, a calling of pastoral ministry on their life and we put them through a um, two year long process before they're ordained as pastors. And it's a pretty rigorous process. It's not like, you know, there's a lot of expectation on reading and studying and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's heavy. Um, yeah. so talk about like a little bit about that decision sure. and like, where do you, where do you really feel like that meaning of pastor comes from? And like, mm-hmm. where do you think God's taking you? Yeah. I think for me, ultimately, man, like, um, it's just a love of people. I mean, mm. I'm a very, uh, I get energized by being around people and having conversations with people and especially talking about the things of the Lord with people, man. Um, and so for me, uh, I, and, I, and I love learning and teaching God's word as well. Mm-hmm. And so those two things coupled together, um, really the Lord had been working on me. And, and while in Peru as well, I had mm-hmm. some people speak into my life down there. They kind of set me on this this course of of pursuing um, as he leads, uh, you know, the opportunity to to possibly become a pastor. And so, yeah, when when you and Marshall approached me about that, um, it just was ultimately, yeah, it had to be a God thing because because I had not really, um, I mean, you don't walk into a new church. Well, some people do. You don't walk into a new church and say, "Hey, I'm called to be a pastor. What can right. we do about that?" That's right. You know, um, and and that's not my personality anyway. But uh, but yeah, I I really feel that um, it's been a thing that I feel like I kind of understood the weight of for a long time, and that has that has been a a kind of a scary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and has maybe uh, pushed things off as I, I am now 40 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, I finally feel like maybe I'm ready to start taking more steps in that direction. And and so for you guys to have kind of like this formalized um, process, it was amazing to me. Mm-hmm. And then, too, to hear you and Marshall's vision for it and, and your idea and, and ultimately God's vision that he's put on, you know, Marshall's heart and your heart um, that your goal is not necessarily that all of us stick around or, you know, just kind of get enveloped into the red Hills, you know, thing. And, but if that happens, that's, that's awesome as the Lord leads. But I just had never come across a situation where it's like, you know, we're going to spend time and we're going to spend money, um, putting into you guys to, to truly disciple you. And if you walk away from here, like, Glory to, to God. Yeah, glory to God, right? <laughs> that's right, that's right? Yeah, and for that to seem weird, I think it's probably indicative of, of some other issues in the I church. I think Paul would think that would be very normal. Right, exactly. <laughs> He's like, okay, Timothy, yeah. you following me this time. Yeah, bro, like, why are you trying to stick around? Like, right. let's, let's, yeah. it's time, your time to shine. So yeah, go, so, so exactly. Go yeah, and so the, and the process has been heavy uh, just in this, this first year of going through stuff, um, or this first six months, seven, eight months. Ten months. Yeah. Ten months, ten wow. Months in, yeah. All right, dude, we're getting there. <laughs> Um, which each month that goes down, it's like a little more like, uh Oh, like, yep. is this really going to happen? Lord. Um, 
but it has been very just like doctrine and theology and like i mean we're literally reading the 1500 page systematic theology book that people yeah. use as a reference That's right. um, yep. but it's been amazing it's been amazing and it's been super challenging uh we're stepping into you know leading home groups now um some of us are, are having the opportunity to kind of uh, take over some of those directors positions in the church um as the needs have have come up you know and and ultimately, just to kind of grow and to um, have it patterned for us as well, and to yeah. truly be mentored and discipled in this, um, as uncomfortable at times as it is, just mm-hmm. in general, because it is what it is, uh, it's been such a blessing to have uh, not only like you guys, as far as Marshall and Lyle, um, but to have these other dudes too that are walking alongside, and we're all so different from each other. You, you know, I mean, like night and day different from you each other. Pick four different people. Yeah, and and to have these brothers to walk through this as well, and and the body as well, man. I mean, I have been learning so much from the members of our church. You know, people who have definitely been there longer than I have. Um, people who uh, have come from all different types of walks. You know, um, yeah. it's such an opportunity for us to grow in that. But ultimately, I guess. I could see it going a lot of different directions. And I want to try and just be wide open to whatever mm-hmm. the Lord has for me in this and just say uh, yes and amen, you know, as it, <laughs> as it comes along kind of right, deal, yeah. you know, and even closed doors are awesome because it's narrowing of the path, right? right. Um, and if my intentions are good and I'm seeking after you, Lord, then yeah, closed doors, please, right. you know, so that we can narrow this thing down and I can hopefully be in, in your will and in the way that you would have me go about it, you know? So Amy and I are, are, are open to the idea of, I don't even know what, you know, I mean, planning a church, uh, maybe another Red Hills location. Yeah. Like, I mean, or just, you know, getting enveloped into the main campus where we're at and, and just being on staff with you guys and, yeah. and, and just meeting the needs of our people and all that. Like I keep saying just, but I mean, that's a huge responsibility, yeah, but I but, know what you mean. I know what you mean. But yeah, um, and so ultimately like I would just ask for prayer, you know, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah from, from, from everybody, dude, that uh, that God will just continue to um, to be faithful as He That's is, right. man, and and leading us in in this new direction as far as um, as far as pastoral care, yeah. you know, and stuff. So it's a heavy moment. It's a heavy calling, yeah. and we don't we don't pursue it with um, selfish ambition, and right. we're definitely weighing the cost of what it means to be a pastor. Yes. and that heavy. I think I'm still yeah. doing that. Yeah, you know, still having to try and count that cost. And it doesn't stop. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it gets easier as you as you start. You know, as Paul talks to you know Timothy at the end of chapter, you know, Second uh, Timothy. You know, fulfill your ministry. You yeah, know, fulfill your calling, and it's like as you f- begin to fulfill it, it does become easier because sure. you get more secure in it, you know? Um, yeah, definitely. But we've, you know, man, like I've greatly enjoyed your friendship. Um, Absolutely. Even outside of the pastoral stuff, just getting to know you and your family and seeing how close um, our boys have gotten. Yeah. And, you know, we love you guys dearly. And we're, I'm so happy that you, um, I don't want to say so happy that you decided to leave that church, but I'm so happy that you're at Red Hills and, um, we've been really blessed. I'm excited to see what God does in y'all and through y'all. If it is a different Red Hills campus, or if you feel called to go to a different city and, 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 and raise up a church there or whatever, wherever the Lord takes y'all, I know, um, his hand is upon you. I have a and few wish list locations. Sure, but. Hawaii number one. I've always said Tuscaloosa is a great place. There you church, go. But April's like, no, I'm not going. We're back not going there. there. <laughs> um, yeah, that's great. You know. Uh, but anyways, uh, uh, 
been a blessing. It's been a joy. Yeah. And I really look forward to seeing what God does in y'all over the next X amount of years. Yeah, man. Well, thank you for this opportunity no to share my story. And hopefully it's coherent. <laughs> I think it was good, right? I think right. it was good. All right. But again, thank you for coming out. Awesome, man. Love Thanks. you, bro.